Welcome to another episode of Sunrise Live, the podcast where we have deep conversations with fellow freelance models. And today I have an old friend of mine, Nadia, on the podcast. We've traveled together, we've linked up in different cities, and we always have a good time. And I just love her to death. Hello, Nadia. Yes, from far, far away. <laughs> yeah, you're you're in Tampa, right? No, I, well, yes, I live in Tampa, but I'm visiting some friends up in Atlanta this weekend. So um, I'm at a friend's place right now, enjoying beautiful view of the Atlanta um, downtown skyrise scenery. So just a little getaway, <laughs> far, far away from home. <laughs> Rad. I, I am in a very snowy place right now. Where are you? I am in my RV. We are parked at a ski resort in Utah. Uh, this particular ski resort has a policy that allows people with an RV to stay in the upper lot and go skiing if you have a ski pass. So we've been here for like a month and a half. <laughs> You're just becoming a skiing professional. Yeah, I guess. It's pretty cool. Wow. Do you have a lot of skiing experience from before or are you just learning this right now? No, I started skiing when I was eight years old. My dad taught me and my sisters. Oh, wow. Oh, that's really cool. You know, I have tried skiing. My parents grew up on skis because they grew up in Russia. And for their like school activities, they would go cross-country skiing. And they've taken me a few times to like Denver to ski. And I just, I do not understand the concept of it. Like I've been taught pizza, French fry, <laughs> and I get that. <laughs> but like, I've been literally stuck in a rut. Like I have lived that expression because we were like going through these little baby hills and I just get to the very bottom of it. And I'm like a little cartoon character and my feet are going front and back, front and back. And I just cannot move. <laughs> and I think the last time I went with my parents, I got stuck on the bottom of like a little dip like that. And if my memory serves me well, I think I just got on my hands and knees and I just crawled up the hill because uh, I could not figure out how to get traction. Even though I had the little like fish scales on the, the bottom of my, my skis that I need to come visit you and hone a new skill. <laughs> yeah, we should hang out at least sometime. I'll probably be going to Florida later this year to do some more underwater stuff in the Springs. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've made friends, uh, in Wikiwachi, which is like an hour North of where I live. And it is so far my most favorite area of Florida. Um, cause I, I live in the Tampa Bay area and, um, it's touristy. It's nice. It's not as busy as Miami and it's still pretty vibrant. Um, but you know, it's beaches, it's beaches in Florida life and it's kind of the norm, right? Um, but if you go about an hour North of where I am, it's all these, um, like river inlets that are brackish water that come in from, uh, I guess they're coming in from aquifers in the central part of the state and they're coming out to the water, to the ocean. And so you can see manatees over there. It's, um, I, I take my kayak out there and I just paddle around and, it, it, I love it. I feel like I'm in an episode or not even an episode. I feel like I'm in like a Jurassic Park movie because it's just ferns everywhere and it's lush greenery and, you know, the occasional alligator dinosaur yeah. <laughs> somewhere in the corner. <laughs> so if you want to go where the, di where the alligators are not present, um, there's a really nice area uh, where you can dive because the water is super duper clear. Um, I'd love to take you there. It's, yes. it's just, a, it is uh, that it's, it's heaven on earth, truly. I would love that. That sounds amazing. Defrost you a little bit. 
Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, for the purposes of the podcast, I would like to introduce who you are as Nadia, the model, the human, the creator. Um, we met through freelance modeling. So could you describe a little bit about your modeling career and how you got into it and then what you're doing now? Yeah. Uh, so I started as Nadia with an I. Nadia Ruslanova was my uh, first stage name. I started in college uh, really just looking to build a friend circle and a social outlet around myself. Um, I went to school in the Dallas area and, um, you know, this whole fantasy, I was told that I would like have the perfect roommates and we'd just have slumber parties all night long and I would like be drinking and doing college party stuff. Like it just didn't happen for me. My roommates were great, but we were very different. Um, I went to one college party in a completely different city once and it was enough for me to realize that that's not what I'm looking for in life. Um, and I was just told my whole life that, you know, college is this place to like reinvent yourself and discover yourself and grow, blah, blah, blah. Cause you're paying all this money. You might as well do something with it. And I was just kind of going to all these 8am classes, sleeping through them and just not really feeling passionate about what I was doing. Cause I was on a uh, pre-nursing track. I, um, have always been interested in just the human body and, how it works and how medicines work and the science of humanity. And I figured, you know, if I watched ER and there's all these hot doctors in obviously every <laughs> single hospital, then that's just like a solid decision of what to do with my life. Um, but I just wasn't really growing and doing stuff to the extent that I wanted to. And I had remembered when in high school, I would, you know, be all mopey because some boy that I liked wasn't, you know, winking back at me or something. And I would take selfies and I would put them on Yahoo Answers. And Yahoo Answers? Absolutely. Yahoo Answers. And late at night, I would stay up and I would be like, do you think I'm model material? Am I pretty? Should I keep tweezing my eyebrows? <laughs> and people would say everything back to me. You know, I would get positive, uplifting comments. I would get stuff that was just like really soul crushing. Um, but I guess that kind of interested me. I was like, huh, well, if there's at least one person that says I could be, well, then let's just go do it. Um, and I made a, well, I made a profile on this one website uh, and I, some guy found me on there and reached out and he was like, oh, you're really pretty. Would you like to do a photo shoot? And I had literally just taken some pictures in my dorm room, you know, in a bikini and like uploaded them. And, uh, when we met up, we did some pretty photos. He rented, um, a BNB next to campus. And then we just did a very pleasant boudoir set. And then he told me, he was like, you know, the website you're on, like, isn't particularly, safe. I think it was kind of a way for maybe like under the table escorts to connect with clients. Um, it, it wasn't very credible. And so he told me about this website called Model Mayhem. And I was like, okay, that's fun. Cause I had seen it earlier and I was very intimidated by it because there were these women with travel schedules and portfolios and, Oh, I'm just a girl in college, you know, like, holy crap. Um, and I made an account and I just started working with photographers locally. Um, I had met someone through the platform that I ended up dating for a little while and he was a professional commercial photographer. And so that was really 
great that I got to see and understand. I didn't really get to see, I didn't go to work with him, but he would tell me about the professional industry of, you know, agency models and commercial shoots and, you know, all that stuff. And I had tried to get with an agency. um, I was probably 21, 20, something like that at the time. And I was skin and bones. I was not really in a good mindset. Um, I was dealing with some bulimia and anorexia and eating laxatives and all that crap. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to do the big adult thing and do what my boyfriend does and go become a fashion model. And that's like the next thing. And at 5'10", at 129 pounds, they told me I was too fat. What? And I was just like, um, like, no, <laughs> I, I eat salad and salmon and like, there's nothing left to remove from me. I had no ass. I had no tits. I, my tummy looked good. I didn't have a single wrinkle, but like even my mother would like, when my mom tells me something's wrong, it's fucking wrong. And so I remember coming home, uh, to my parents in Houston and they're just like, my mom was like, where's your butt girl? Like, what are you doing? Um, so I realized the commercial industry isn't for me and I didn't want to be under anyone's thumb. Uh, so I just turned back, did a U-turn to model mayhem and, uh, I guess I had just invested enough time in a quality portfolio that I built while living in Dallas that um, eventually someone from Seattle saw me and invited me out there to shoot with him. And at the time, I think I was charging like $50 an hour uh, for local work. And this person offered $100 an hour for three hours. And I just saw the dollar signs and I went, oh my God, that's it. I'm a supermodel now. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) And um, I flew out to Seattle. I worked with him. I booked a couple other shoots. And uh, I went there in February because the tickets were cheap. Oh. Didn't know any better because <laughs> the tickets were cheap. <laughs> um, and Lyft and Uber weren't a thing yet. And I couldn't afford any of it because I was breaking even. So I was like walking myself with my suitcase like across town, shoot to shoot, I didn't realize that there was like this culture of asking people for help in the modeling world of like, hey, could you pick me up from the airport? You know, drop me off. So it was pretty rough. Um, I learned a lot. I did some physically intense shoots that gave me just some beautiful images of me and, you know, wonderful frozen nature environments. Um, And then someone in DC saw me as well, reached out to me, um, invited me to go do a workshop with him in DC. So I went over there and a workshop, you know, is a way, it's an organized event for um, someone to host a teaching session of sorts for photographers. And some are more professional than others. Some definitely are geared towards more understanding photography. Some are geared more towards hold whatever you want. Here's some pretty girls in front of you. You know, it depends on the organizer and the credibility of the event. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But this person flew me out and uh, I did a quote, quote workshop over there. And I met all these other women. And I was just like, girl, like, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm a, you know, freelance traveling model. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, what do you really do? Like, this doesn't make enough money. And she's, I wish I could remember who this girl was. And she was like, no, like, this is my job. This is my livelihood. I'm a freelance model. I travel the country. I do these events and I have a career. And so kind of early into it, I realized that like, I'm not alone. 
because I thought it was, I was inventing the wheel. I thought I was like the only girl from this website ever to get booked out of state and to like fly somewhere. Ooh. Um, and so I realized that there's just a wealth of opportunity uh, through Model Mayhem to travel the country. And I mean, even the world uh, to do shoots. So I traveled under the name Nadia Ruslanova as an art nude glamour model for uh, a couple of years. I would say most of my way through college and college took me minutes. So that was like six years maybe. Um, and along the way, I had moved back to a school in the Houston area to get, I was in nursing at the time. Um, and I guess somewhere at some point, someone started offering me more um, like adult themed shoots. Again, couldn't remember when it started, what it started with. Was it a bondage shoot or BDSM or something? I don't know. Tickling. Uh, <laughs> but people started requesting me for this kind of more ridiculous stuff. And I was like, well, sure, like pay me a little more. And I raised my rate and people paid it. And I was like, well, this is cool. And I was kind of getting tired of, um, I guess, the monotony of some of the glamour modeling because um, a lot of it is being beautiful in front of a window or being beautiful on a bed in a hotel room. Yeah. And, you know, it's all fine and dandy. I, I love the human element of communicating with the photographers and understanding what their purpose was and being a companion to them socially. <clears throat> but I just, I was getting tired of like blanking my mind for two hours. I felt like I was doing Bikram yoga. You know, when you're like for an hour and a half, you just have to like do the same thing over and over and over and just not get bored with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so while in nursing, I was in a new program that was very f concerned about their up and coming image because I was only their second um, semester of students. And so the nursing staff was pretty damn diligent about being on top of everyone's shit and knowing what everyone was doing on social media. And at one point or another, my professors called me out in the middle of class. They were just talking about, you know, workplace etiquette and being a professional nurse and, you know, representing your company, blah, blah, professionally. And they're like, some of us have a unprofessional image on the internet and you should consider, you know, stopping that if you want to be respected as a nurse. What? And I was like, are you talking about me right now? Because everyone knew what I did because I would fly out and travel on the weekends. You know, I'd leave class on Friday, go to the airport, go tour somewhere Saturday, Sunday, be home Sunday night, Monday morning and go straight to class. And I was trying to like, I had a whole system figured out of keeping track of my time zones and purchasing Wi-Fi on the airplanes and trying to like take my tests while I'm flying and getting it and in, submitted into the right time zone. So it wasn't like behind schedule. It was a, it was a madhouse. Um, and so I was like, well, okay, all of you are clearly on top of this whole Nadia Ruslanova thing I've going on, even though it was pretty, pretty tame, realistically, you know, it was just a pretty girl. So, um, I decided to rebrand myself <clears throat> to hide away and become invisible as a uh, Vika. And, uh, well, to step back, the name Nadia Ruslanova, Nadia is my real name. Um, I spell it differently for modeling with an I because people usually spell it with an I anyways. So it's just like, if you have the in and you know that it's a Y, ooh, then we're buddy, buddy. But if you like <laughs> say it's an I, then we're professional contacts. So it helped me out. Some people will like text me randomly and they're like, hi, Nadia. 
And if they say, say it's an I, it's somebody work-related. If they say it's a Y, it's probably a personal friend. It was like this whole code I had set up. And Ruslanova, I figured, you know, I'm Russian, Rus, people could remember it. And um, there's this love story by a Russian poet called uh, Ruslan i Ludmila. And I think Nadia Ludmilova would be impossible to spell, but Nadia Ruslanova is a little more palatable. So um, that's how I came up with that name. And in college, when I was having to rebrand myself, I chose Vika because it's the name from a song in a 90s Russian pop song that's just very sweet about this guy serenading this girl Vika on her birthday and how much he oh. loves her. And I was like, let's just do that one for my porn. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I had always thought that nursing was one of the fields that it didn't matter if you're even doing porn or whatever. I thought that. You know, I would think so too, but corporate America wants to uphold a corporate image and you're supposed to be a nice, clean nurse and her clean white scrubs who goes home and does wholesome things if you want to take care of people, apparently. Weird. I, I wonder if it's partly um, the culture of Texas where you were living. You know, I wouldn't put it past that. I also do think um, my school is a little more uppity because they were new and they just wanted to make sure they had a squeaky clean slate and didn't ever associate with anyone that could detriment their image. Well, hello. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's just something that's been present for so long, especially in the beginning of social media, um, because that was a big detractor for me from going into nursing was this idea that I would have to hide myself and my identity and think about what I post online and how I present myself and what others are going to think of me. And I'm like, who I am in person is who I really am. Like my image on the internet, even if it's through my personal outlets, is still my curated image on the internet. And I'm like, I have to censor my curated image. Like, fuck you all. So I really became disenfranchised in a nursing career. Um, and I also failed out of nursing school because I was disenfranchised and just not motivated. Um, and I, long story short, got a degree in marketing, graduated with that because I was like, fuck it, I'll just market myself. And I'll be my own product and I'll be my own brand and I will learn all these skills and I'll just apply it to my own business and I'm not going to have to kiss anyone's ass. Kick ass. Yes. Um, sort of, I guess. <laughs> Still working on it. Um, and so I kind of embraced this persona of Vika um, after college and I started touring excessively because I didn't have this limitation of um, school and schedules and all that. And um, I just be let myself become more available to adult content, uh, specifically fetish-styled work. Um, I kind of built credibility as a bondage model, uh, honestly, just because I just didn't complain. I like the personal test that bondage put me through, even if it was a little bit painful and uncomfortable. Um, and I learned over time, I did not start off knowing this, how to communicate with people and how to let people know, hey, like, that's a little tight, or my body can't move this way, or, hey, like, this is kind of broaching a boundary of being some sort of a personal session than like a content creation session. Yeah. Um, so that's been a whole journey of its own of how to um, put boundaries for myself professionally and personally. Um but I just kind of ran with it. And eventually I went to this event in Tampa called uh, FetishCon. 
a few years ago and I just really enjoyed it. I've met this interesting community in the Tampa Bay area of fetish content creators and I liked it. It was a neat event. I made a good amount of money just on booking myself at this event. And I also realized that Tampa is so much prettier than Houston with so much less traffic and not these 20 lane highways. And I just kind of up and moved out there uh, with my partner at the time. And little did I know that I moved to the fetish capital of the world, as far as I'm understanding. Um, I just thought it was a place with a cool convention and hot girls. Uh, But apparently, (laughs) Tampa is like the mecca of fetish content creation. And I I think it's because a very prominent website called Clips for Sale was started in the Tampa Bay area. And um, this fetish con event had moved from New York to Tampa Um, As well as I think it's because Miami has a very vast uh, adult industry of like porn. And so there's all these beautiful tanned women available. Um, But Miami is just crazy competitive. It's a very different atmosphere. And so I think just with all that kind of coming together, Tampa is a place where you can have easy access to beautiful women. It's a spot with, you know, industry and business kind of already establishing a foothold. And I think that's just where I ended up by, I'm not going to say total happenstance. I wasn't clueless, but I didn't really realize what I was doing. Um, And so I really kind of plunged headfirst into this persona of Vika as a fetish creator, as a fetish model. Um, And I got into shooting all the weird stuff, you know, popping balloons, sneezing, smoking, farting. Farting? Absolutely. Oh my God, girl. Oh my God. I have to check that out. Oh yeah. My secret (laughs) recipe is, um, what did I do? It was beans and, um, oh, fried, deep fried onions. You know, the stuff they like put on top of a salad. Oh my God. Solid guaranteed. So, okay. Segway at FetishCon, (laughs) I, uh, was going from shoot to shoot and I Oh, you've been to FetishCon too. Yeah, I have, uh, I think, four times. Um, no way. Okay. Yeah, have yeah. never been there at the same time? You must have gone before I did, right? I think I went from 2014 to 2017 or something like that. <gasps> oh, wow. Yeah, I think I went to the first one in 18. Oh, that's so crazy that oh, we okay. were doing the same events, but like in a different timeline. Yeah, I do want to go back. But anyway, about the farting. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was introduced to that. I uh, I was at FetishCon entering a hotel. I guess I was a little bit early for my shoot in that room. And two of the other creators slash models were packing up their suitcase. And I was like, oh, hey, what were you guys shooting here? And they were like, farting content. And I was like, farting? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, how do you like fart on command? And they said the way they were doing it was uh, they would get a turkey baster and put air in their ass. <laughs> in their ass and then they would fart it out on camera. Oh my God. So yours were real though. Yes. And so this is kind of what I've decided for myself in the fetish realm. There's kind of two tangents you can take with it, right? You can create fantasy fetish content where it's kind of hokey. It's over the top. It's clearly very fake. And it's the like, it's the ridiculousness of the fetish content. Um, and yeah, I think some, like there's a client I shoot for who likes the farting stuff, but he is 100% all right with me like blowing. I can't do it with my robe on my arm. Like stuff like that, like into the crease of my arm. 
or into my hand. Cause he's like, I don't care. I just want the sound. I realize your girls are going to have like intestinal problems if you actually do it. Um, so there are people who are okay with that. They just want to watch a girl who's even comfortable emulating it. Um, but there's definitely a market for the real deal. And that is where this fetish industry gets kind of dangerous because like doing stuff with such excess isn't particularly healthy for you. You know, you could turkey baste your butthole all you want, but you really could put in too much oxygen in there and cause intestinal issues and, you know, rupture something if you put in too much air. Um, For instance, there's someone that has requested that I shoot real farting content before and that I put an aquarium pump up my butt to like inflate through my intestines into my tummy. So I'm becoming, oh, so big and oh, so swollen. But like, please don't do that because you're just going to have an intestinal bleed and end up in the hospital from doing that shit. Oh my God. Yeah. Farting. One of those things that, you know, you just have to, I don't do it enough, but when I do do it, I just try to have an obnoxious diet beforehand and just let out a few good toots. And my perspective on it is I rather give you a few real ones than a few fake ones or then a lot of fake ones, you know? So just let me brew it inside of me (laughs) adequately. Um, So yeah, I ended up in uh, St. Pete or yeah, St. Pete for the time being. And I transitioned into doing fetish. And for a long time, I was kind of just a model taking on a few custom videos when people would approach me saying, hey, this is my idea. This is the script. Could you shoot this fantasy for me? Um, but really where I've come to now is this pinnacle of merging all my experiences in life because I've realized that I don't think I should have been a nurse. I should have been a therapist. And I would have never realized that without following this life path that I've taken. Um, and I've really gained a perspective on sexual needs of people and, how some of those needs can sometimes become exacerbated and fetishized and become kinks. And I've really gained a deep understanding of the fetish industry and why people want to see some of these absurdities and how to portray them and how to mentally appeal to the customer so that they are engaged with what they're viewing. Um, You know, sometimes I've done in-person sessions with people where, you know, they can worship my feet in person or something like that. But Um, it's just a hassle to book that kind of stuff, honestly, until you have an established uh, rapport with the client. And I've just been a little too busy to like do that whole thing, um, especially for new people. Not saying I'm opposed to it. It's just, it's just a hassle I haven't been focusing on. Um, and I guess what I've seen, uh, there be a void in the market is candid fetish content and, um, healthy fetish content that isn't this absurdity and this desire for more, more, more crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, Actually, just the other day, I was driving from Tampa to Atlanta and a girlfriend of mine from high school texted me. And um, she was like, hey, I just wanted to reach out to you. You seem like a safe person to ask this to. And she was like, is there anywhere I can go to watch porn that involves bondage and rope plate that isn't over the top crazy done by performers who have done this 10,000 times. Like 
where can I find content that is like a regular person wanting to explore BDSM and filming that content and maybe even discussing the process of understanding BDSM on camera, right? And where to find that content because all she was able to find is just, you know, here's a girl in a hog tie with an anal hook upside down getting flogged. Like, ah, like that is intense and overwhelming for people, obviously. And I told her, I was like, girl, I am actually working right now and basically putting together a fetish porn production company that creates content like that, that is more palatable to the audience, that has an educational aspect of it, of, hey, like, these are the fetishes. This is the content. This is a real person, Vika, as a character, talking about kink in a way that I hope to be not very intimidating for people that want to understand this and maybe want to explore something in themselves that they've kind of been hiding or not really sure how to unpack. Um, and capture content from even models who are really used to putting on a character when they're in front of the camera and creating content with them that's more candid, behind the scenes, unscripted. Because what I've seen over and over when I go to shoots, you know, when the camera is rolling, we're emulating a fantasy. And then as soon as the camera is put away, we're all just nasty, dirty, stinky bitches. And we're all talking <laughs> about our buttholes and our dirty feet and our wedgies and all this crap that we're shooting in a character form that's very over the top. But then when the cameras are put down, we're talking about all the same fetishes, but we're talking about it like normal people, you know, of like, oh my gosh, my tummy hurts so bad. It must've been all the pizza I ate. I've been so gassy. Ha 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 ha. Can I listen? And the funny thing is there are people out there purchasing fetish content where it's like, oh, I want to hear the sounds of her stomach digesting. But then that content is being faked and staged because nobody actually like films that when it's really, really happening. So I'm trying to get an angle on what I've been doing through a more educational perspective, a more um, approachable perspective. Um, and so I'm still modeling for basically my inner circle of friends that I have an established friendship with. I know their brands. I know what they're shooting. I don't have to show up on set and be nervous or have to meet someone or have to go through the motions of understanding someone's brand. So if somebody comes to me on a referral from a good friend, I'll connect with them. If it's an established client, I enjoy working with them happily. But I've kind of been more focusing on um, getting technical knowledge of how to film all this, how to build the platforms, how to build the websites, how to edit my videos so that they accurately send the message that I want them to send. And it's a lot of work. You know, I've really reinvented myself over and over again in this industry, almost with every name change that I've done. It's kind of like this new alter ego that I build where Nadia Ruslanova was like just this pretty girl who did glamour. And then Vika was this, is, I guess, this fetishized character that does all the weird freaky stuff. And I'm trying to build myself now as this kind of brand name of hot girl doing stuff because Word. that's just who I am. I really am the girl next door that is just a normal 
girl, you know, I'm the parents of immigrants that came here being told that I can live the American dream. And I've just been force fed this idea that I can be whoever I want my whole life. And to my parents, that meant I could be a doctor. Well, to me, that means I could be a fetish porn star therapist, (laughs) content creator, you know, like that's just where my life has led me. Um, And so, yeah, I'm just doing what the Texas public education system told me to do, you know? That's awesome. (laughs) One thing that I was just thinking about as you were talking about your glamour modeling and how you're doing the fetish and how you kind of progressed into slightly more erotic work um, earlier, you were doing some more erotic stuff too, but not like fetish stuff as Nadia Ruslanova. But I remember back in the day, like 2017, 2018, when did I first meet you? Like 2015? I think it was 2000. Girl, I wish I remembered where. <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't remember. I really, if you remember where we met the first time, please. It, it might have been the Arizona shootout. And then I think later on, you came to visit me in San Diego when you were on tour through that area. Yeah, yeah. I remember, um, I, yes, I remember staying with you quickly in San Diego, but I think I was so overwhelmed and I was just like, oh my God, I know this person who can give me a flat surface to sleep on for a night. Um, I don't think I got to really spend a lot of quality time with you. And then I remember I saw you in Seattle once. There's a picture of you walking on um, one of my partner's backs while he was in back pain. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then I think I saw the same apartment later I came by to visit because I remember looking out your window at the scenery. So I guess we've we've kind of bumped into each other over time, but I'm frustrated that I haven't really been able to like sit down and enjoy your company. It's always kind of been this like, Hey, I'm here on a rush between shoots. Can I stay? Okay, great. Bye. Yeah. Um, um, it's the hustle, you know, what, what I was, uh, getting at is around that time when I was, I suppose when you're getting to know other freelance models, most of it is like over the internet, looking at their pictures, sending each other references for photographers. Like, oh, did you work with this guy? Was he cool? It's like the safety network. Like we're friends out of a desire to not get murdered. (laughs) And over the course of time, uh, checking references about photographers with you and then cross-checking those references with other people, I came to learn that you were probably one of the models that had the highest tolerances for photographer behavior. And I was always really amazed at how positive and how bubbly and joyful you seem to be, despite all of these times that you described where a photographer crossed the line with you. Girl, you bring up a top. I'm getting goosebumps because this topic is so important for me. I have this innate desire to please people. I don't know where it comes from. It's just, I'm a people pleaser and I thrive off of it. And I can't say it's always healthy. And as I have grown as an adult and as I've been put through all these different situations I've been in as a model, I don't know how I would have grown in these ways, not as someone who does modeling and engages with people like this. Um, I have realized how soft I was on my boundaries and how much bullshit I put up with people And I think part of it was I felt sorry for a lot of the photographers I worked with because I felt like a lot of them just didn't know what to do and they didn't know how to talk to someone. 
and they were lonely and sexually frustrated and thought that these freelance models that they were engaging with were the girls that they could do these things with. And the reality is it's just not that. To some, yes. To others, no. And I think that's kind of also why there are models that are strictly art models. They don't understand, don't want to understand the psychology of the photographer and his male needs during a shoot. They are there to create art and don't you dare cross the line of creating art. And, um, you know, I've never really thought about this until now I'm saying it out loud to you. I think a part of why I have gone into fetish and now I have such strong opinions about consent and boundaries and communication and what we as a society should perpetuate as well as how we can help people have healthy outlets for their needs really comes from exactly what you were saying. I was a lot more lax with people than others. Um, To my detriment sometimes, you know, I definitely have had times where I left a shoot and I was going like, I want to go shower. I just don't feel morally good. I don't feel physically good. Like that was just like not what I thought I'd sign up for. Um, You know, I, I feel like when people were truly malicious, malicious, like they thought they were smarter than me. They thought I was a dumb girl that was just going to like bend over and do everything. Um, I would hope that for those people, I definitely vocalized to my friends of like, Hey, like he's a piece of shit that is going to try to use you and stay away. Um, But, you know, I I do carry a sense of guilt over it because I don't think I was aware that my perspective and my kind of empathetic approach to these poor, lonely guys was what the other girls were doing. Um, And they didn't want that shit. They didn't want to be in those situations because I think what was really happening was I kind of was transitioning from being a glamour model to a fetish model who does sessions but I was just oblivious to it because I had no concept of what a fetish model is. I had no concept of women that do engaging session work with people that satiates their needs of touch and words of affirmation and all these things that they're lacking of. Um, so yeah, I, I would say now I would use different words. I would keep track of people differently and better and really help girls steer in the right direction for the people that they're working with. Um, yeah, I, it it was, it was a journey of personal growth and I see how I could have been firmer sooner, but I just didn't know better. And now that I have been able to really understand what was actually happening, because there were so many shoots that I went to thinking, oh, it's a glamour shoot where before you know it, I was being asked to be in more erotic poses. And then I might have been asked to do some sort of more kinky acts, whatever they may be. Or I noticed photographers would start like taking pictures of my feet more or of some other body part. And I didn't realize what it was. And I also wonder if the people really understood what it was because I feel like so many of the men that I've worked with didn't really come to terms with their own kinks and with their own sexuality and even had healthy dynamics in their personal life because they were 
hiring myself, you know, in secret from their wife or in secret from their girlfriend because they just wanted to have this companionship of a beautiful girl that they could confide in and feel understood by because they didn't even have that with their partners. And so, yeah, you know, when you're seeking that, but you're approaching glamour art models on Instagram or model mayhem, you're really seeking a sex therapist, but you're going to models. Yeah. And I think that just needs to be more understood by both sides of the spectrum. And that was more tolerable for me because I've just always wanted to understand the psychological aspects of what these people wanted and why they want these more intense things. Um, and I got there and I pursued that line of industry. Um, but obviously not everyone else did. And I think, yeah, um, you are very valid to say that I kind of had a much looser, um, interpretation of references like that. And, um, you know, it is what it is. So you are coming into photo shoots uh, with a direct understanding that a lot of these photographers might need therapeutic type services and you had an empathy for that and you embraced it. Whereas a lot of other freelance traveling models, they don't want to hear about the photographer's problems or they don't want to be the subject of um, being sexualized or I guess what a lot of people say is objectified. I personally find the word objectification to be having a negative connotation where it necessarily doesn't have to be negative. I don't mind if people think that I have been objectified. And I'm sure that you feel a similar way because you're, you've already stated that you're using your body as your product that you are learning how to market. Um, with all that being said, when you're coming into a shoot, you have this openness of it's okay if you have urges and you are going to deal with these people. And some of them might cross the line and some of them might just be happy that you are fulfilling their desire for a slightly more open leg shot or whatever. But yeah, in, in, like in all these experiences though, I'd like to segue into uh, the photo shoot fail of the week. Have you had an experience that sticks out in your memory as something that was crazy, whether it was like the situation of the photo shoot altogether was just odd or weird or it's something that the photographer did was fucked up? Um, do you have an experience that within that realm that you would like to uh, describe? Yes. <laughs> um, and there are many like that. And I have just forgotten so many of them for one reason or another, you know, I just, I, I only have so much RAM accessible in my brain. Um, <laughs> but you know, uh, yeah. So I feel like when I went to shoots, I, my intention was to please, I wanted to make sure that this person got their money's worth and felt wholeheartedly satisfied, right? It's just, it's my nature. And so I'm like this Labrador that shows up, that's just ready to like, love everyone and lick on everyone. Um, and uh, let me recall the situation. I want to make it vague enough. So I'm not like pointing fingers at anyone. So there was this shoot I did in, um, I was about to, uh, New Mexico. Let's just be broad here. And it was a photographer that had, I think previously, maybe I'd worked with him on yoga poses. And he did these beautifully, nicely lit, artistic yoga 
shoots. And so I shot with them once. Everything was hunky-dory. I came back to town another time to work with them again. And I show up and I'm like, here I am. You got me for two hours. Um, honestly, I would usually block off two and a half hours because I know I talk a lot and I always wanted to have a little padding for it. And I was just really fixated on having positive feedback from other people because I understood that in this industry, reputation is very important. And if people perpetuate a bad reputation of you that you're whatever negative thing, it's going to hurt your business. And it's a double-edged sword because you can both be known as a credible professional, or you can also be known as the person that can be kind of pushed around a little bit, be it with their time or with their respect to their body. And I definitely was both for quite a long time. Uh, Because just in my head, you know, I sometimes felt like it was more important to please someone else than to respect myself. Don't know why I used to think that way. I guess it's just being young and just being young and dumb. And so I had booked this shoot with this guy. Uh, I showed up to his house again and we started doing some yoga poses, some stretches. But of course, you know, you get into some poses and some of them might be a little bit more erotic than others where you can see more things from certain angles. And mind you, this is, you know, a very old story. The statue of limitations on the story is running out in my mind. It's hazy enough. But from what I remember, we were doing this agreed upon content And the photographer started talking to me about something personal in his life because I would just always extrapolate these personal stories from these people because I cared and I wanted to know. And before you know it, he was just telling me about how he's frustrated by this and this and he hasn't done this and this in forever, blah, blah, blah. And I remember he, I think he asked me, which is why I don't compartmentalize the situation as like a trauma. I just compartmentalize this as like, I need to learn how to fucking enforce myself and my boundaries. Because I think at one point he was like, oh, uh, can I lick your nipple? And we're just like standing in his living room, like drinking something. And I remember so well, and uh, I don't mind people's age. It doesn't matter to me how old someone is if I'm engaging with them in any way whatsoever or if I'm in their presence. But hygiene is so important, so important. And I just remember this old man opening up his nasty ass yellow fucking toothed mouth with the worst nasty bad breath I could imagine. Uh, It was like worse than my dog (laughs) breath. And I could just smell it. And I think that's why this became such a core memory because it's just rooted in this like mortifying aroma. And he like put his mouth on my nipples. And I remember thinking in my head, I was like, be a people pleaser, be a people pleaser. It's okay. It's just a nipple. It doesn't matter. This isn't going to affect my life. Who cares? This is Nobody has to know. And then the other part of me was like, what the fuck am I doing? Why is this person like being in my space and in my bubble? And is this healthy? And am I really achieving what I showed up here to do? And why? Like, why is this happening to me? And you know what? Trauma brain. I don't remember how we got there. But at a certain point, cut scene, I remember being on the ground, like I'm nude. This guy is in full clothing, spooning me with like his fingers in my pussy. And I was just like, 
like it was like this outer body experience that I have heard of women that have been through like physical penetrative, I mean, I guess this was penetrative, but like sexual organ penetrative assault that they just say they have these like outer body experiences of just like laying there paralyzed. And I was in that moment. But you know what? I will carry the responsibility that I never said no. I never said, please don't do this. I never said, this makes me uncomfortable. I was just dumb and complacent. And yes, I do think there is a responsibility from the man to be able to read body language and not be stupid about what my intentions are about showing up here. But I think it is important to carry responsibility for my actions. And if I didn't stand up for myself and say, no, I'm sorry, I'm not here for that, or please don't do that, that makes me uncomfortable, or just, no, I'm leaving, you misunderstood me, I don't feel like it's right for me to vilify him. He was misguided by my, by my reactions to his actions, right? <laughs> and this moment just really sealed it in for me that like, there's just not enough education going on about how to satiate these needs. And there's not enough resources out there. Um, I am personally a very big proponent of um, legalizing, decriminalizing, whatever you want to call it, um, prostitution. I think there should be ways for men to find comfort in a woman or a man or whoever. I'm just going to say straight men to straight women because that is what I'm familiar with. Um in a consenting manner with someone who is, you know, disease free and cognizant of what they are able to provide and under what terms to provide these services in a safe space. And I think if resources like that were more available to the general public, you wouldn't have these. I mean, you would still have them. Of course you would. But I would hope that there would be less of these men on the internet trying to create art to really create personal porn for themselves because they don't really want to say they're creating porn. They want to say they're creating art and then find this girl in their house who is not saying no and then living out their fantasies with that person. You know, I was able to handle it. I didn't crumble under this situation that happened to me. I am only able to speak for myself. I am sure if this happened to somebody else, this could have broken them for life. This could have caused them to have, you know, trauma for the rest of forever to feel violated in such a way. Um, so, you know, I, I've learned from this. I am now a lot more boundary focused and I have no problem telling somebody, hey, I'm sorry, I do not feel comfortable doing that. Or, hey, I do feel comfortable doing that, but we didn't discuss that. Um, that's at a different, you know, rate tier for my time. Um, but I just think it's, it's a shame that people have to find these back alley solutions for problems that are really pretty common in the world, right? Sexual frustration is something I would say most people experience. And when people don't have a partner and I would imagine it's harder to find a partner as an older man who, you know, is an older single man to have someone who would fulfill his needs of being wanted and to feel human touch. Um, obviously what happened at that shoot isn't healthy and should not be perpetuated, but 
Um, I think there's things that we can do as an industry and as a society to provide outlets for people so that this doesn't have to be the, the way that people think that they can have access to these needs being fulfilled. I'd like to uh, validate what I believe to be to say that in your situation where that photographer just kind of let one thing lead to the next and you were in a uh, frozen, like somewhat of a trauma response in that moment, there's a power dynamic that needs to be addressed in there. And when there is a imbalance of power where the photographer is going to be paying you for the shoot or if you arrived and it was supposed to be a TFP shoot and they, they're going to owe you photos later, if you or the model in any situation is not pleasing to that photographer, then there's a fear that you're not going to get your payment, you're not going to get your images or whatever the the prearranged agreement is going to be so you and and also for your reputation you want to make the photographer happy so that they hire you again the next time you come to town so or don't go blacklisting me and talking shit about me and you're very right um that's also something about the industry that is difficult because you know for so many other services especially if you're conducting hypothetical sex work in a designated place of business you know, there is security present. There is <clears throat> a credit card on file or an ID on file right before services are rendered. Like the like, if I go in for a massage, right, I could get up and leave if I say, oh, well, this massage doesn't feel good. And that business probably has a way to bill me one way or another because I gave them my information before I signed up for the appointment, right? Yeah. And so- there isn't this power dynamic you have having somebody by the balls of like, uh, you're just going to have to like stick it out until I'm ready to pay you. Um, so that's actually something um, that I have personally taken away from the uh, from my time working like that to where now when I hire talent, um, if I if it's somebody I know and I, under, I, I can predict this person's work ethic, I want to pay them up front. If I've never met this girl and I don't know if she's going to like halfway through the shoot, you know, run off to go see her boyfriend or something crazy, who knows? I, I will pay her a fair rate when we're done because I am building credibility with her. Um, but definitely for people that I know I can trust that way. And I guess, I mean, now that I say it out loud, I am kind of perpetuating the bullshit, but I also know my intentions and I know my motives and I can trust myself not to like exploit people, you know? Um but it is, it is a mental block to be somewhere and feel like you can't speak up until you're paid. And I definitely, definitely have been in that situation many a time where I was just like, what do I have to do to just get the fucking money in my hand so I can leave? And I see why people pay after services are rendered for the same reason I pay after services are rendered for people who I don't know very well. But at the same time, when you don't have the right motives or, you know, um, have just a malice to you, uh, it's toxic as fuck and it's not right. I agree with you. Yeah. And it would be amazing if prostitution could be legal and then it, you could easily write an email to your potential escort and say, hi, I would like to book a date with you and I would like to do these sexual acts and all these sorts of things. But legally, 
you will get in trouble for writing that email. You will potentially go to jail. So you can't communicate that stuff in advance unless it's through some weird, like, secret chat, Discord, like, mm-hmm. go, go, yeah, yeah. or whatever. And that's the crazy thing. I mean, porn and prostitution are legal as long as there's a camera present. Right. As long as you guys, quote, quote, decide to be talent, quote, quote, you can do anything. So it, there is such a frustrating gray area of, you know, what is legal and what is not. And I can do the exact same thing with two different people. And one is going to be criminal charges and the other one is going to be a production that I'm going to make money on. And the difference yeah. is a piece of paper. It's yeah. It's I feel, though, that even if prostitution were legal and a person could contact an escort for services, I still think that there's a large amount of people, mostly straight men, who don't want to, they they feel that it's um, a power move if they can find somebody like a freelance model to get them into a shoot and then cross their boundaries. I feel like there's a fetish fetishization for lack of a better term of getting the model that normally wouldn't do this and then getting them to cross their lines somehow. Absolutely. I mean, that, that is a, that's, I, yes, that is a kink of its own that I think some of these men have. And, you know, in a healthy situation, this would be role play, or this would be a dom sub situation with partners who are consenting and agreeing to this. But unfortunately, these men, I do feel like, are able to actually manifest their fantasy by really finding these little doughy-eyed girls and luring them into their, you know, homes or hotels or whatever and pushing their boundaries. And like I said, I, I would like to think that not everyone that I've had frustrating experiences with came from like a place of malice that they're like, ah, yes, ha, 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 get her into my lair. But I am very aware that some of them did have that intention. And some of them were just better at hiding it. Um, and it just makes me sad. It, it's, it's, it's just sad that that is out there, but you know, evil is always going to be out there. And yeah, the desire for even physical rape or, you know, I'll even call it psychological rape, right? You find a person, you use them up and then you give them a couple bucks and kick them out your door. Right. Um, those kind of needs that people have are always going to be present. And I think that's just humanity. I think people are that way sometimes. Um, And until, you know, like I I can't tell you how to prosecute that from happening all the time, but I think having an outlet for a safe space that the men that don't want to be dirty and don't want to do that have a place to go at least you can take care of a pocket of the population, right? That is willing and prefers to have a woman that, you know, embraces them with nurturing and understanding and professionalism. And consent. And consent, (laughs) yes, versus, um, 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 I guess so. (sighs) You know, you you can't make that go away but you can definitely provide a healthy outlet for the people that don't want to be a part of it. You know, it's kind of like you can't make crime drug lords vanish. They're always going to be there. There's always going to be someone who wants to make a buck on the black market. But if you can legalize things and have avenues for them to be distributed through credible ways with taxes going to beneficial things, 
at least there's an outlet for that, that at least weakens the opportunities that the more nefarious entities in the world have. Um, but the world's a hard place with a lot of evil people and it sucks, you know? So <laughs> that's just kind of the world we live in. Yeah. Well, we are getting close to the end of the podcast. And I'd like to note that we've we've talked about so many different things. And a lot of it has seemed to have been like a progression of the rising Phoenix era of your life, finding... Ooh, they give me goosebumps. Oh my gosh, say that one more time. That really, I felt that go from like from my shoulders down my butt to my toes. That was really cool. Say it one more time. (laughs) (laughs) As we've gone through this whole conversation, even though already knowing you, just describing how the beginning of your modeling, you had these experiences where you're a people pleaser and you pushed through and over the course of time, you, you let the nursing industry kind of like shoulder you out by just pretty much being judgmental about your images. And you took that back and you're like, well, I'm going to be my own brand and I'm going to learn marketing and change my, my college career. So you, you took control of that. And then through the glamour modeling, you took control of people using you and you've turned it into your own. Okay. I'm going to predict the sexual needs of my potential clients and create fantasy fetish content for them. So you've taken that power back again. And now you're taking that power back even more by taking these fetish uh, concept creations and turning them into a more ethical and genuine business of your own that you're starting. So every like lapse of your life, you're just learning the hard lessons and then you know, it's kind of like you're doing life kung fu. You're taking the life lesson and you're learning from it and you're making your your own and then you're turning it into your own power. Even if you don't feel like you're super successful right now, I still think that the progression of, of your life and the lessons that you've gone through can be impactful for other people witnessing you. Thank you. You make me sound like a badass. <laughs> you are a badass. <laughs> yeah, you know, I am. Um, yeah. I guess I really do have that mentality. And I will say a huge, huge part of it comes from my incredible support system of my family. Um, my parents know what I do in a broad sense. Like I've explained to them foot fetish and wrestling. And when I was touring as a model, I would show them some glamour photos. And I tried showing my mom some of the artsy fartsy nudes that I did. And she just, she would look at it and she'd go, mm-hmm. And they come from a very different world. They were raised in Soviet Russia with completely different perspective on just about everything. But, you know, they chose to come to America for a better life. And here I am doing the better life thing. Um, So, you know, they, they've been a huge, huge part of where I've been able to gather the strength to do this because truly, you know, when shit would hit the fan, I had somewhere to go where I knew it was safe and I could live there and I have, you know, moved back in with my parents every now and then. And I have somewhere to go where I'm loved and I have home cooked meals waiting for me and I can just rest. And I would not be able to have this type of a, <clears throat> you know, let me kind of regress into myself and restructure myself and rebuild myself and then like go on some new crusade um, if I didn't have like the comfort and dependability of my awesome fucking parents that are just the best ever. Um, They've really tried to understand me to 
the depth and capacity that they can understand me. You know, we've had a lot of conversations that I don't think they have ever even considered broaching with their parents. And um, the fact that they try to have them with me, the fact that they try to keep up with me and understand me and, you know, support me even maybe not by understanding what I do, but just saying, okay, like you're safe, you're happy, you know, you're involved with the right people, do it. Um, I remember when I just started modeling um, and I probably had gone flying somewhere for a few shoots, uh, my mom came up to me and because I told her, I was like, oh, I'm traveling for this work and blah, blah, blah. And she was like, have you ever been forced to do anything against your will or, you know, touch men for money? And I remember her asking me that because I guess in her head, she was like, you're going out there, you're taking pretty pictures, but like, who's paying for it? What are you doing? She had obvious questions. And I think she just wanted to make sure that, you know, I wasn't going up in front of playboy casting directors and giving them blowjobs to get on centerfolds. Right. You know? Um, and I think when I told her that like, that's not the industry that I'm in and that's not what I'm perpetuating, I think that was a point of comfort for her. Um, but I'll also say my parents don't know about the sexual assaults that I've endured during shoots. They don't know about the, the difficult things I've gone through. We've just never had those topics. I don't want to burden them with that type of knowledge. Um, and they can support me, you know, in so many other ways. And I have people in my life that understand that more that I can lean on to, to help guide me through the more intimate, difficult things that my parents just can't relate to. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I really just try to grow as a person. Um, I think it's fun and I think it's a good challenge and it helps me feel accomplished even when I spend all day in bed eating ice cream and smoking. Um, <laughs> it just helps me feel, I'm like, you know what? I fucking earned it. I did a lot of things that were really hard. So I deserve a day to do nothing. And um, it helps because <laughs> then I feel anxious that I'm doing nothing. And then I get in my head of having to do more and having some expectations for myself. And then I get into a rut of anxiety and blah, 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 blah. But I am trying to work on myself and being more, um, focused and goal driven and, um, you know, really manifest for myself the life and the personality and the career that I want to have. You know, I, to me, this is my American dream and awesome. I've been told I can do whatever. So I'm just kind of doing the whatever. That's awesome. I'm, I think you're inspiring. And I love seeing your posts on Facebook about the endeavors that you're getting into. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, telling my friend yesterday, I was like, I, I've realized that my brand, be it Vika or Nadia Ruslanova or Hot Girl Doing Stuff, like it, it's, it's my job, you know, and I don't owe anyone shit unless they have paid me and I have agreed to it and I owe them something for a specific transaction of whatever it is. Unless somebody has given me their time and or money, I owe nobody nothing. And so I do often post so much more of my life on my personal Facebook where yourself and some other models that we were familiar with and all my personal friends kind of see my mind and my journey and really like what actually I'm thinking about behind the scenes and how I go through these life struggles. And the outside world gets to see, poof, 
there's this profile, the model mayhem for Nadia Ruslanova, and then poof, there's this profile on Twitter for Vika, and now poof, there's this brand of hot girl doing stuff. And um, I enjoy conversations like this where I can tell people, like, it's not magic. I didn't just wake up and grow like this. I didn't come to these realizations of what my life purpose is overnight. Like, it, it's been a 30-year journey of figuring out what I'm here to do. Um, so I'm glad you get to see the behind the scenes of it all. Cause sometimes yeah. I, I put some shit that is, you know, I just hope it's entertaining. And, um, I appreciate the honest feedback I get because my, my personal Facebook is the people that have known me, um, as much as they can know me through social media on a personal level. And, um, my friends really guide me. My friends inspire me. I've, had personal friends reach out to me with very intimate sexual questions that some of them were directly related to my line of work. Some of them were directed about, you know, hey, could you give me some advice to, you know, achieve something with my partner or how to broach this topic? And I'm like, if these are my real people who feel comfortable enough to come to me and ask me this, and I feel like I can give them some benefit of an answer, like I'm just feeding off of this genuine curiosity that my friends have shown towards me. And I want to basically answer their questions for the masses, you know, and create content that, you know, I can answer them directly. I can talk to them directly. I can get inspired by, for a conversation with them. And then I'm working on currently like building those answers and that understanding of what do I do and how do I do it in a healthy manner? And how to apply it to my friendships and relationships um, for people outside of my um, inner Facebook social circle. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm really glad that you had the time to do this podcast with me today. I well, didn't talk too long to do question <laughs> two. Did I do that? Did that happen? Um, what I think <laughs> is that I feel that the entire podcast has been the description of a rising phoenix. However, if you had a story of how you feel that you had to overcome something and you wanted to let that out, let's uh, let's do it. <laughs> I'll actually, your- um, I, I think it has kind of organically um, developed in our conversation, but really something to overcome for me is to stop being such a pathetic people pleaser, you know, that is just pleasing everyone just for the sake of pleasing because it gives me some sense of being wanted or desirable or liked. You know, I've yeah. realized that I can be wanted and desirable and liked even when I say no. And sometimes that makes people like me and desire me and want me even more when I say no. And I think fully embracing that concept and doing it has been, um, it's been a bit of a struggle, you know, every time I have to turn someone down for something that I just don't agree with, like, I still get the fist in my gut of like, just say yes and make them happy. Yeah. That's, that's for 20 year old Nadia. That's not for 30. I I suffer from the same thing. I think it, a lot of women, especially a lot of our fellow freelance model friends, also suffer from people pleasing. I, I think that we're trained from a young age, whether it's through religion or conservative parents, that the woman is supposed to make the man happy. You're supposed to be quiet and don't speak unless you're spoken to. And Just don't be a problem. Don't, don't be, be a problem. problem. Yeah. Don't be a drama queen. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it is a topic that is dear to my heart as well. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. It, it is also kind of like the moral of the story for a lot of what we've been talking about today. I think so too. Heck yeah, Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to see you and we keep watching. Yeah. And fend yeah. off the alligators from you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I yeah. will bring a paddleboard. Not paddleboard. What do you call it? Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, no, no, no. Um, when you're swimming and you hold it and a kick, kickboard. A and kickboard. And I'll thrash it around to make alligator <laughs> tail sounds so they stay away from you and don't get hungry. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely make plans. I don't know if I'll go to FetishCon or not this year, but if not, then I do already plan on going to the Florida Springs sometime in October. My home is open for you and your partner, and I would love to spend some good quality time with you. Thanks. You are awesome.